It's Philosophy Talk. In love with one woman 49 years. My wife finds out she killed me. What is a wife? I should have known something was wrong with my first wife. When I brought her home to meet my parents, they approved of her, you know, but... Is the concept of a wife an outmoded relic of our chauvinistic past? Would you mind lending me your wife? Sure, you'll be a sham wife, but you'll be the envy of every other sham wife in town. I hope that someday my wife will learn to live on her allowance, which is ample. What's wrong with taking care of a woman? She takes care of you. I think it's hard to get away from old roles. Our guest is Marilyn Yalom, author of A History of the Wife. In the words of a woman around 1810, I I wouldn't give my hand without my heart. Now on, I'm only marrying for love, possibly once more for money. Recorded in front of a live audience at the Marsh Theater in San Francisco. What is a wife? Coming up on Philosophy Talk. This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Today we're recording the program in front of a live audience at the Marsh Theater, San Francisco's breeding ground for new performance. Our thinking originates at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Welcome to Philosophy Talk. Today we ask, what is a wife? Ken, what kind of half-baked sexist question is that? Why, why, why do you want to focus just on wives? How about husbands? And what about same-sex marriages? Why not be gender-neutral and politically correct? Why not ask, what is a spouse? Well, besides the fact that that doesn't have the same ring, there's also the fact that neither the category husband nor the category spouse in general is as historically, culturally, or philosophically interesting as the category wife. I mean, in one form or another, Marriage has been around for thousands of years. But until very recently, I mean, what was there really to say about husbands? I mean, you could sum it up in a few sentences. Husbands were the dominant partners in marriage, the masters, the breadwinners, the ones who could own property, including their own wives. So somehow wives, the concept of wife, is more interesting? Tell me how. Well, there's all manner of things to say about wives. I mean, they used to be little more than property material property and sexual property. I mean, in some cultures, wives were confined to the home, had little choice as to whom they would marry, could, and could even be legally put to death for cheating on their, on their husbands. That doesn't sound much like contemporary wives. A contemporary wife is her husband's equal, sexually, financially, educationally. A growing number are better educated, earn more money, and work longer hours. That's, that's a real plus. Longer hours outside the home than their husbands. Well, precisely, John. See how much wifehood has changed over the years? But you know, you, know, you make a, con- a contemporary wife sound just a little bit like the husband of old. Is that where we've come to? Oh, yeah. Modern wives don't dominate their husbands like the husbands of old used to dominate their wives. It's just that the needs and desires of the contemporary wife play a big role, as big a role as the needs and desires of the contemporary husband in deciding the fundamental matters in the family. Don't, isn't that way in well, your family? That, that may be the ideal, uh, but I, I don't think the facts on the ground always live up to that ideal, John. Well, that's probably right. But just the fact that, that the ideal of marriage has evolved, even if the, the actuality isn't keeping up with it, that's progress. Marriage used to be explicitly conceived as a theater of inequality between men and women. Being a wife was a way of being oppressed. 
The oppression was often dressed up with poetry and roses and romance, and it was justified by philosophical and theological doctrines. But still, it was oppression. It was oppression all the same. You know, for many women in many cultures, including certain subcultures right here in the good old USA, I'm afraid to say, marriage still functions as a theater of inequality and oppression. And, you know, there are people, people of both genders who think that's the way it ought to be and stay. Well, I'm afraid you're right about that. But I think you've convinced me we, we, we can get a lot of insight by thinking about wives, but using the concept of a wife to think about husbands and also larger social trends. We, 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 we can do that by focusing on exactly what a wife is and should be. Right, and, and that's our goal, to use the very idea of a wife as a kind of window into the larger social world. Still, what about same-sex marriage? That puzzles me a bit. When two people of the same gender get married, does it still make sense to think of a relationship between a husband and wife? Can there be two wives, two husbands? How do you think about that? Well, John, your question presupposes that husband and wife have to be tied to gender and sex roles. I mean, but maybe, I mean, maybe that's the way it used to be, but maybe we're entering a brave new world in which roles in marriage are cut entirely free from the traditional sex and gender roles. Maybe we can have male wives and female husbands and no husbands and no wife. I mean, anything's possible now. Well, Ken, you seem to know a lot about all this, but, but I hope there's somebody around that knows even more. Well, you know what? We're fortunate, because there's somebody around. We've got a guest who knows more than both of us combined. That's Marilyn Yalom, author of A History of the Wife. She'll, she'll join us in a little bit. And, and we really want our live audience here at the Marsh to join in the conversation, too. But first, our roving philosophical reporter, Andy McDaniel, introduces us to someone who has taken a very proactive approach to her own young marriage. She files this report. I did and do now consider myself very happily married. Elizabeth Weil has always been a bit of an overachiever. She's a successful writer, an involved parent, and just a thoughtful person in general. But until recently, her marriage wasn't something she put much effort into. I had a very passive view about marriage, that either our marriage was going to be star-crossed and we were going to be blissfully happy, or we weren't, and there wasn't a thing I could do about it. And I realized that was so unlike me. So, um... I decided to take a proactive approach and sort of see, well, what would happen if we actually worked on it? Wilde decided to make a project of improving her already happy marriage. She chronicled the experience in the New York Times Magazine in 2009. Step one was research. We decided to start sort of in the self-help vein. It seemed sort of safest to like be at home. <laughs> like, so I, we bought tons of books in one day. It was actually harder to start than I anticipated. But eventually we just, you know, I picked a book and I said to Dan, you know, pick an exercise. You know, they're filled with these exercises. Wiles proactive approach to shaping her marriage would have seemed really unusual just a few decades ago. According to Devira Cohn, a senior writer at the Pew Research Center and co-author of a recent report on marriage, the roles and responsibilities of husband and wife weren't always so negotiable. When people are asked, what's the more satisfying marriage, the ones where you have the traditional roles where the husband works and the wife takes care of children in the home, and compared with uh, the, the shared roles where both partners do a little of everything, most people now agree that the more satisfying marriage is the one where roles are shared. But that doesn't mean there aren't consequences in a situation where everything is up for grabs. In her article about her marriage experiment, 
Elizabeth Weil says in some ways figuring out parenting roles is easier than figuring out marriage roles. The children do not get to vote on the direction of the relationship on which sleep training they like best. But with a spouse, particularly a contemporary American spouse, equality is foundational, assumed. And this is, of course, com you know, in my life, completely true. And I don't want to be in a democracy with my children. They're, f they're four and seven. You know, that would be horrible. <laughs> Meanwhile, the democracy that is marriage can be rather unwieldy. Dan is also a journalist. We both work at home. We are, we are like, the, the parody is extreme. The, 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 just the daily figuring out who should be doing what and, and right down to like, well, do you get to go to the gym now or do I get to go to the gym now? Do you get the good office in our, in our home? You know, there are two home offices or do I get the good home office? Like that, that is exhausting. So if marriage no longer provides a structure to help men and women negotiate their adult lives, then what exactly is it for? In her recent survey, Devira Cohn of the Pew Center discovered that for men, marriage now holds one promise that it never used to. The gains from marriage have been larger for men over the last four decades, and that's in large part because more of their wives are likely to be working. The man who got married in 1970 did not likely marry a, a working wife, but in 2007, he does. For other women, or at least for Elizabeth Weil, the gains from marriage are more ethereal. There's something vestigial about it in a way. I'm not sure what would be different if I were not married. That said, it's deeply meaningful to me. The tradition of it is meaningful to me, even though I feel like we have a very contemporary marriage and we've shaped our marriage as our own. As for Weil's project of becoming more excellently married, it turned out okay. She's detailing the rest of her experience in her upcoming book about marriage, no cheating, no dying. Those actually were our private vows, so, so far so good. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Andy McDaniel. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.